Hi, and welcome to On Air with Clinical Respiratory News. I'm Nina Wiklund. And I'm Daniela Irsamtosi. And together, we'll be exploring news, ideas, and developments in sleep and respiratory medicine. On Air is intended for healthcare professionals only. Hello. Today, we're happy to welcome Professor Frederick Gagnadou, head of the Department of Respiratory and Sleep Medicine at the University Hospital in Angers, France, and former president of the French Sleep Medicine and Research Society, and also the primary investigator of the multicenter Pays de la Loire sleep cohort, as well as involved in many other collaborative studies in the field of sleep apnea. Thank you, Nina, for the kind introduction. Thank you for being here. In this episode, we will focus on your findings on CPAP therapy ad- adherence and specifically on the connection between adherence and cardiovascular risk. You are the corresponding author of a study from the Pays de la Loire group called Positive Airway Pressure, Adherence, Mortality and Cardiovascular Events in Patients with Sleep Apnea. Uh, the study was published in the Blue Journal in December 2022 and highlighted at both Sleep and Breathing and ERS 2023. What was your goal with this study and why do you think that it has gained so much attention? As you know, what we have learned from cohort study, prospective cohort studies, both uh, population and and clinic-based cohort study, is that OSA is a risk factor for cardiovascular disease. But today, whether adequate CPAP therapy of OSA uh, has the ability to reduce cardiovascular risk is, is still debated because we have no three randomized controlled trials, the SAFE study, the RICADZA, and the ESAC studies that were neutral and found no beneficial effect of CPAP on cardiovascular outcome. But what have been discussed extensively is the limitations of those randomized controlled trials. There are two major limitations. The first one is the very low adherence to CPAP in the study, and we have to keep in mind that the medium or mean adherence to CPAP in those three randomized controlled trials was around three hours per night, which means that the majority of sleep duration in these patients was not covered by the therapy. The second important limitation of the study is the very low generalizability of the findings. Indeed, The study was performed in, in highly selected patients with very few symptoms. All of the patients had previous cardiovascular disease, such as stroke or coronary heart disease, and were in secondary prevention. And so it has been estimated that about less than 10% of the patients that we routinely investigate in our routine practice uh, fulfill the criteria to be included in those uh, trials. So what we have done in, in our study is to try to evaluate the association between PEP adherence and cardiovascular outcome in real-life setting. So the strength of our study is that it was performed in real-life conditions. We included consecutive patients investigated for OSA in whom OSA was confirmed and were prescribed CPAP. About 5,000 patients were included patients with different phenotypes. So I think that the, the, these populations represent the entire population of OSA with typical symptoms and, and comorbidity. And we adjust for multiple confounders that needs to be taken into account when evaluating the impact of a treatment on cardiovascular outcomes. You just talked about uh, secondary prevention. 
What is the difference between primary and secondary prevention of cardiovascular disease? Okay, uh, what we call primary uh, prevention is the effect of the therapy, in our case of CBAP, in patients without any uh, history of previous cardiovascular disease, no stroke, no heart failure, no coronary heart disease at the inclusion. And secondary prevention uh, means that the patients had previous history of cardiovascular disease. So in our study population, there was about two-thirds of the patients who were on primary prevention and about one-third were on secondary prevention. For the listeners unaware of the abbreviation MACE, what does that mean? MACE means a major adverse cardiovascular events, and it is a composite outcome of all-cause mortality, incident coronary heart disease, incident heart failure, and incident stroke. So in our study, there was uh, 960 uh, events of MACE that occurred during a median follow-up of about seven years. Okay, so could you briefly summarize the main findings of the study? What we demonstrated in our study is that there is a significant association between the amount of daily CPAP use, uh, which is objectively measured by the device, and the incidence of MACE. And what we found is that there was a significant reduction in MACE for those patients using CPAP at least six hours per night. And in those patients, there was a 25% reduction in the incidence of MACE. And it means it's easy to understand because if you the, a patient is using uh, the, the device more than six hours per night, it means that the majority of the sleep duration, including REM sleep with profound desaturation, is covered by uh, CPAP. Thank you, Professor Gangnadu. Your study methodology was highlighted by Professor Raphael Heinzer and biostatistician Brendan Keenan in the editorial as highly qualitative. What actions did you take to secure a low level of bias in your real-world evidence? So thank you. This is a very important point. Uh, we have to keep in mind when we interpret observational studies linking treatment adherence with health outcomes that there are some potential unmeasured confounders. And among those confounders, a very important bias is what we call the healthy adherer effect. So what is the healthy adherer effect? It means that if you are adherent to a therapy, and in our case, for example, to CPAP, you are also probably more adherent to prevention, more engaged in healthy behaviors, such as, for example, physical activity or healthy diets or adherence to preventive drugs. What we found in our study is that those patients are more adherence to CPAP, are also more adherence to cardioactive drugs, for example, beta blockers, antihypertensive medications, lipid-lowering drugs, or antiplatelet drugs. So there was an association between CPAP adherence and the adherence to cardiovascular active drugs. But even after adjusting for for adherence to cardiovascular active drugs as a proxy of LC effect, we demonstrated a significant association between CPAP use and the incidence of cardiovascular disease. That's great. So the reason for the effects are not due to patients acting the way they should in their life overall. As you mentioned before, the study in the Blue Journal showed a dose-response relationship between PAP adherence and incident maze in OSA. 
And very recently, a meta-analysis of three RCTs, as you mentioned previously, the RICADSA study, SAVE and ISAC, uh, was published by Sanchez de la Torre and colleagues in JAMA. The main outcome was neutral, but when you look at patients with good adherence to CPAP, there was an association with a reduced risk of maze recurrence. And the study team suggested that treatment adherence is a key factor in secondary cardiovascular prevention in OSA patients. In your opinion, how do these two publications complement each other? Okay, thank you. This is a this is a very important question. It has been suggested that maybe the effect of CPAP on cardiovascular prevention might be different between patients in the primary prevention setting, which means that they had no previous cardiovascular disease, and patients with previous with overt cardiovascular disease. In our study, we performed a subgroup analysis, which suggested that CPAP may be less effective in patients with previous cardiovascular disease, and the association between PAP adherence and cardiovascular outcome was stronger in patients in the primary prevention than in those in the secondary prevention. Conversely, in the study that you mentioned, published in JAMA, which was a, a, a meta-analysis of the three major randomized controlled trials, SAVE, Rikadza, and ISAAC, the authors found that in this population, using CPAP more than four hours per night was in fact associated with a significant cardiovascular protection. So, it's probably, uh, we have to keep in mind that CPAP might be also useful in the secondary prevention, provided the patient use the device at least four hours per night. Thank you for this answer. Something that's discussed a lot today is uh, novel biomarkers. Do you think that novel biomarkers could be useful in this secondary prevention population? So indeed, recently, some novel biomarkers derived from sleep recording, uh, such as the hypoxic burden or the delta heart rate, which is a, a biomarker of cardiovascular autonomic response, have been identified as, as potentially useful biomarkers of cardiovascular risk in OSA patients. And two recent post-hoc analyses, uh, respectively from the RICADZA study and the ISAAC study, demonstrated that those biomarkers might be also useful to identify those patients in secondary prevention who are more likely to respond to CBAP. Okay, so we know that adherence to therapy is important, and especially so in patients with cardiovascular disease. What do you recommend listeners think about doing in their routine practice to improve their CPAP patients' adherence? So, indeed, treatment adherence is a really uh, important issue in chronic disease and chronic therapy, but it is also a very complex and multifactorial issue, and there are several determinants that are associated with adherence, such as a social environment, the perception of the disease and its treatment by the patient's comorbidities, clinical phenotype, and also, of course, the healthcare pathways. And this is particularly true in OSA 
patients because it is a very heterogeneous disease with various clinical phenotype. And there is another specificity in the field of OSA is that uh, the treatment is based on a device, CPAP, and so we have access to objective uh, adherence monitoring, which can be performed remotely on a day-by-day basis. So as a clinician, we have to keep in mind that if we want to have an effect with CPAP on cardiovascular risk, we need to do our best to improve CPAP adherence. So there is different way to do it. Potentially one One important point is to early identify the patients who are at risk of known adherence and, for example, based on clinical phenotype. And uh, one one example is the Comisa phenotype, which means that the patients have both sleep apnea and insomnia symptoms. And and what have been found is that those patients with Comisa are more likely to be non-adherent and and also uh, to have a mortality and cardiovascular complications. So first of all, early identification of patient at risk of non-adherence. Another important point is the that the first week of treatments are crucial for subsequent long-term CPAP adherence. And during the first week of treatment, we have to do our best to follow the patients and improve adherence. So, of course, this is a very complex issue. There is no one universal solution to improve adherence in patients with uh, OSA who are treated with CPAP. There are different tools that can be used. Of course, technical adaptations, uh, early correction uh, of side effects. Uh, uh, one, one important point also is therapeutic educations and, and also telemonitoring, which can help to follow the patient's closely during the first week of treatment. Thank you, Professor Gangnadu. It's insightful to know that this is difficult even for you as an experienced pulmonologist. We're coming to the end of this podcast, and I would like to thank you, Professor Gangnadu, for taking the time to talk to us. It's been really insightful. Thank you very much. It was my pleasure. And for the listeners, if you look into the description of this episode, you can find links to the studies discussed today, as well as a lecture by Professor Gangnadu recorded at ERS 2023. Thank you, and see you soon again. You've been listening to On Air with Clinical Respiratory News. For new episode alerts and clinical updates, subscribe to our newsletter.